Welcome to the podcast. It is the Drunk Tank episode two, 12 hours for a catfish. I am Doc's Ryan. The man over there, that's Chris, C90, my boy from Scotland. Tonight we're going to talk about a bunch of shit. Um, Might touch on a couple topics that make you uncomfortable. If we do so, please feel free to mute the tab. Uh, First things first with the opening round. Uh, we introduce ourselves, tell you, we're going to tell you a little about who we are, what we do, and then we're going to talk about what we're drinking during the podcast, give you a little review. Now, my lawyers have got a hold of me since last week and said, because we are drinking on this podcast, you better be of legal drinking age in your area if you're going to join us in a drink. So now, drink responsibly and make sure you are of legal age to drink if you are joining us in a drink during the show. So, that being said, um, I think we got the ramble and the, and the BS about legal out of the way so chris uh why don't you say hi and uh introduce yourself to the audience while i eat a fry <laughs> yeah hello um i am chris i am from glasgow over in scotland today i am drinking something that is actually really really nice i am drinking the original stormtrooper galactic pale ale Ooh. Um, it's quite I, I don't know if it'll come up on screen but oh, that yeah. is what that i am having and it is actually pretty sweet it's I mean, it tastes, it's like a proper pale ale. Like, it has got that kind of stout flavour. Right. But it's not a heavy, heavy one. It's actually quite light and actually quite refreshing. It has its own website, which is in chat. They have a lot of other merch that is actually quite nice, which I have ordered and will be coming out soon. That's pretty much everything on the drink. Um, For me, I am Chris. As I said, I'm from Glasgow, Scotland. I have quite a lot of tales to tell. For the last 12 years, I've been a delivery driver between local and long haul. Uh, also, for a small portion, lived abroad in Holland, where mm. I worked with a superbike racing team, which was really fun. Oh, yeah, which you got were a lot of stories that. and a lot of drunken stories. Yeah, we'll have to uh, do a podcast about time. stories. We'll have to do a stories <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's pretty much my life up till now. I would say nothing exciting, but it's it's been pretty exciting and it's been pretty great. Yeah, you're you're an interesting dude, uh, for sure. Like I can't wait to be able to hear some of them more of them stories. As I said last week, uh, the podcast is the brainchild of him over there, but you know, takes the two of us to make it work. And he's always like, "Don't sell yourself short," which I'm not. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, for me, I'm Docs. Uh, everybody kind of knows who's been by the channel knows what I do. I'm a I'm a streamer, I'm a content creator, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm also a professional security officer as my day job. Hopefully that won't be much sooner, or much longer. My life's kind of crazy, I bounced around a lot, I was homeless for a while, I did a lot of odd jobs, I've been a nanny, a DJ, a bouncer, a bodyguard, I've been a, a first aid instructor, I've been a little of everything, and I've, I've traveled around the states a lot, but I haven't traveled abroad. It's one of the things I want to look forward, what I'm looking forward to once the kids are uh, out of the house. The girlfriend and I have some stuff. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I got a bunch of physical disabilities that I got to overcome. But, you know, if you've been around at all or you've seen any of my vlogs, I go about it in depth. Fibromyalgia, heart condition. I have some deformities. But my thing is, is I don't let anything, I don't let that be an excuse and I don't let that stop me. And honestly, streaming and podcasting is one of the few things that I've actually felt like I've been able to be really good at. So I'm really glad that Chris invited me to do this with him. That's a little bit of my story. And as we do more episodes, um, we'll 
you'll you'll find out more about us. Yeah, we'll do just wee little teasers each episode. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Do I give everything away? Right, you gotta, you gotta leave something. Here. So here's what I'm drinking tonight. Um, I'm drinking Chauffeur Sh- Sh- Hopper Hefweizen Pomegranate Beer. I slaughtered the German. I apologize. But yeah, big uh, big Tim the mod has dropped links if you guys want to get a hold of that. Um, how much uh how much does your PLL run? Because we want to talk about affordability. If people want to pick this up, between like eleven pounds and I think fifteen pounds for like six cans. That's like see bad. the small cans. Um, whereas if you want to buy the bottles, you can buy like eight bottles for twenty three pounds. It's not a bad price for what you're actually getting. Yeah, no, not at all. Much like mine last week, you're, you know, you're doing all right. You'll have to, now, have you had it before? So can you talk about it a little bit? Like, like No, I've, this is literally, I opened it maybe half an hour before we started the podcast so that I could at least get some form of it. It's literally my first time drinking it. Um, yeah. But it's, it's one that I would actually get again. Nice, nice, it is, nice. It is really enjoyable for... A kind of ale like especially a craft ale yeah no it, it sounded good I, I i genuinely enjoy a pale ale i'm, I'm like i like all kinds of uh, all kinds of beer and the way you talked about it it seemed like it'd be right up my alley and with that price point for being like a sort of craft ale that's not bad at yeah. all now my the pomegranate one that i tried i have not had it before and i just took a couple swigs of it and I've never had a what is it a the a, a half half Whiteson. Never had one before. It's really light. Got a really light kind of. It's got almost like a uh, a really sp- like light, sparkly, clean feel in my mouth. There's a good sharp hit of pomegranate, but there's enough beer in there to be beer. Like it's. It's it's really good. If you like pomegranate, and there's a little bit of an undernote of grapefruit in there too. I'm not big on grapefruit, but it it, it might be the uh, it might be the it might just be my my taste bud. But I'm actually really impressed. Like I saw it in the store, and I was like, oh, I like pomegranate. I like beer. It it's definitely a fruity beer. So if you like fruit fruit based beers, like I know Lion and Kugel does a Berry Weiss, and there's there's a, a line of fruit beers. It's actually really good, and for about nine dollars, nine or ten bucks American for a six pack, it's not bad at all. Like it's not bad at all. I would definitely recommend it just on my my initial taste and the the, the aftertaste after I drank it. Um, there wasn't there wasn't any lingering sort of like bitter bitter aftertaste, which I like in a beer. So I'm I'm really happy with that. So um. Anyway, so opening round over. Should we jump? All right. Caveat. Let me get before we jump into our tonight's main topic. I have to say this because this is a topic that is very divisive and Chris and I are not going to stray away from divisive topics. This also is our opinion on it. Okay. We're not experts. We're not cultural anthropologists. We're not none of that. But we're two guys who have a wealth of experience and we felt the need to talk about it because on some levels this affects our lives and your lives. And if you don't want to hear about it, 
mute the tab until it's over. But we are going to share opinions, our thoughts, and we will try to articulate our positions as best as possible. That being said, tonight our main topic is we're going to jump into cancel culture and the social media mob mentality. So, um, I sort of picked this topic because it's something that, um, having been a streamer for about three years, it's something I see a lot. And it's something that I have mixed feelings about. Okay. Cancel culture is essentially if you say something, have a, uh, if you make a bad tweet or an inappropriate off color joke, or you have a, some sort of scandal that gets out in the public eye, a lot of times cancel culture is like, you're done, get out of here. It's scorched earth, sort of burn the bridge. There's no second chances. There's no way of you coming back. And for the most part, I disagree with that. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule. Uh, Harvey Weinstein is a great example of cancel culture. Guys like that, cancel culture, I'm all for. Get rid of them. You know, make amends, do what you got to do. Get get assholes like that out. Then you get the, you know, the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard situation. Now, I'm not an expert on that case, but when it came out, it was Johnny Depp is an abusive husband, right? You know, he did all this stuff to Amber Heard. And Amber Heard's the victim. Turns out a couple months down the line. Well, let me backtrack. Once the, all that shit hits, Johnny Depp gets dropped from Disney and, you know, all that blacklisted in Hollywood. He's dragged through the mud, right? Just, he's the worst human being ever. He's a horrible husband. What he did to Amber Heard is unacceptable. Johnny Depp's canceled. Get rid of him. All his charity work with kids in the hospital, all that. No good. Get it out of here. Fast forward a couple months, turns out Amber Heard kind of is more physical in the abuse, drops a deuce on his bed, you know, she's doing all this crazy shit. There's no outcry or blacklisting of Amber Heard. In fact, her roles are expanding. She's getting more movie roles. She's being included in more projects. I think in the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing, the truth is somewhere in the middle. You get two shitty people who aren't good for each other, shit's going to happen, right? But the fact of the matter is, is Johnny Depp got the axe with no evidence whatsoever. That's not good. I can't wrap my head around this. And the final example I want to bring up is most recently, uh, for those of you that are a fan of the Star Wars universe at all, because Chris is drinking a pale ale, Gina Carano was fired from The Mandalorian for a series of social media tweets. Now, these social media tweets were painted as degrading people and and being you know, anti-Semitic and whatnot. And I went back and I reviewed every one of the, the social media posts I could. And the one that got her fired was her Instagram story. The Instagram story, she posted a, a image from like World War II. And in the post, she talked about how what happened to the Jews was they were, they were, they were being dehumanized. They were made to be looked as other and not human, which made it easier for them to get what happened to them, right? I don't want to get too much into it. From everything that I read, she wasn't being an anti-Semite. She was trying to equate what happened to the Jews to like conservative people. And you just don't do that. Now, I could be wrong. I could be interpreting her wrong, but I, this is my good faith interpretation of it. I don't know Gina Carano. I don't follow Gina Carano. I don't know her. But from, from what I read, I, 
Um, from everything I read and everything I saw, I didn't think she was degrading anybody. I didn't think she was denigrating. Now, she made some hot takes that are in poor taste. They're, I think they're ill-informed. And I don't think you should ever equate conservatives to what the Jews went through. I think I think it was bad. But I don't think she should have been fired. I didn't think it was anything egregious. But I don't know. That That's sort of the... the the thing of cancel culture is it seems like people do it without evidence. And, and that's the thing that wriggles me the most is a lot of this shit happens because somebody says something or tweeted something in poor taste or uned, un, unresearched or uneducated. And like Twitter just blows up just rah, right on both sides. And it's the without evidence. It's without the discussion that bothers me. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, well, this is a topic that's been gone for years, like as a new topic to get brought up. Um, I agree with some of your points. There's a one or two of your points where I don't so much agree. I could understand your point of view. Um, in the part where it's like um, what she had said, it could be interpreted that she was like degrading Jewish Holocaust for for what I think. In the cancel culture kind of thing, what you have to remember is we don't have a right to determine which words or phrases are offensive and not offensive. It's not up to you. Like One of the worst things that I always hear is when somebody comes up and goes, that's offensive. Offensive to who? Those people. And you're like, unless you are in that bracket, you do not have the right to be offended for someone else. And I think what the problem is, is it works on the other way of you don't get to decide if something's offensive or not, if it doesn't. The way I always send it to is if you go and break up with a partner or you hurt a partner and stuff like that, if you turned around and went, well, what I done wasn't really that bad, I don't know why you're so hurt over it. You don't have the right to determine whether you hurt someone or not. If they feel you hurt them, that's you hurt them, that's it. You don't get to decide how good or bad what you done was. That's on them. And I think that should also be put onto the the kind of cancel culture to the point of you don't get to say what's offensive or not, but you don't get to dictate that. But on the kind of topics, I do agree with the fact that if Jimmy down the road says something out of line, be it racist, homophobic, sexist, nothing's done, really. Like, if it's caught on camera and this and that, it gets plastered, people phone in and get them sacked. The problem with cancel culture is that no one is willing to let anybody learn from a mistake. If someone comes out and says something, allow them to be educated because they might not know that what they've said was wrong. And if somebody was to take the time and go, what you said was wrong, here's why it could be construed as wrong. Allow them to come out and go, look, I apologize for everything that I said. That wasn't my intent. Or I, I was uneducated in that subject. I'm now learning to better myself. That should be enough to go, well, he's, at least he's learned, or they've learned a lesson. Like They've learned and they've educated themselves on it. But everybody is so quick to just cancel them 
if if it's anything that they've done, and as you said, it's normally without evidence, and I'm pretty sure in the constitution it does state innocent until proven guilty. So I don't understand why in society that doesn't go with it as well, because you see it here all the time. So as soon as something comes out and goes, uh, such and such done this, and it's a whole, oh, I knew it was a badge, and I knew, I knew, I knew, and you're like, but you don't know shit. Like, you you weren't there. You don't know what's been on the background. It's it's one of the, it's the worst kind of subject to be in because you don't know the information. And so if you were to turn out and go, well, I'm not going to believe it until I see the, the, the evidence, you run the fine line of, you're stating that you do not believe the victim until evidence. And it's not that you don't believe the victim. It's just, why should that person's life be completely ruined when there is a small portion of this that turns out to be false? It's just false allegations. It's someone's just been upset and they've went through this thing. You never ever hear of that, then them being cancelled. You never ever hear of the false allegations, then going back the way and going, right, well, that's Amy. So I, I do think it's one of the ones that you need to see the evidence. If you're not involved in that, if you, like, wait, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, unless you were in that room with them, you do not know shit. Yep, you facts. do not know who said what, what, who done what. When one party comes out and says such and such done this, and the other party comes out and says such and such done this, you have to take everything with a pinch of salt until right. it's came out exactly what's happened. And even at that, the problem that there is is see what Amber Heard and Johnny Depp or any other online or celebrity or any other personality in that, this whole the public have a right to know. Do we fuck? No, we see don't. See what is going on between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? We do not need to know. It is a private life that they have got it's up to them to sort it. We do not need to know who threw what. We do not have to know who said what. That is their life. Let them live it. I don't care what, who the person in the road is then. I really don't give a fuck. Why should I involve someone else's drama into my life? Like, it makes no sense. I've got other stuff that I can be doing than going through their shit. Like, I don't care. And I think what the problem is, is media and stuff like that are too used to pushing it into people's faces to the point where now society thinks that they need to know when they don't they don't need to know anything and as far as i'm concerned on the cancel culture people just need to get their noses out other people's business see if it's going to affect you you should know otherwise just back it and stay away yeah you make um you make a couple great points and, and and Tim added some I want to I want to kind of add uh, to it. I love how you brought up some points I was thinking about making cuz that means we're on the same wavelength. You mentioned whose right it is to be offended, right? Or you don't have the right to tell somebody what's offensive or whatnot. And nobody does. But as you were describing the uh, the offense thing, you were basically hitting on a lot of like contextual stuff. Like when you talk about offense and Tim mentioned it in chat like a lot of the stuff that we hear is so twisted and taken out of context that people get upset about it, but mm. don't dive in enough to figure out the context of which it was said. 
So yeah. not only do we not have the right to say, oh, it's not offensive or it is offensive or whatever, because A, we're not part of that group, marginalized, minority, whatever. And B, we weren't fucking there. How am I, like, my dog? If I look at my dog and say, oh, you're, you know, you shit on the carpet, you're wrong for that. My dog's not going to know that. My dog, my, my dog is just going to think, oh, I need the bathroom. It's not that somebody has a right to tell somebody or not who's offended that that's that should be that should be basic knowledge right yeah but a lot of the problem is is that that's exactly what's happening everybody's telling oh well you should be offended or that's offended that group when that group's like not really or yeah it is offended but why are you the one trying to be my voice let me be yeah, my just voice on that point I, I, it's just it's another kid in schools we used to have like see your chalkboard we called it a blackboard because mm. it was black. Right, was so did I. It ended up, it was changed from blackboard to a chalkboard, and then they brought out the whiteboards, which were the marker boards. Mm. And the reason why they changed it is because the school administration of UK or whatever it was determined that the use of the word blackboard was racist. Right. And when you actually see when they actually spoke to like the black community and stuff like that, at no point did any of them think that what we were meaning is to be degrading that or we write on your skin color because at the end of the day black is still a color yeah just like, like white that's is. all it is so it was like it was basically a group of white people that decided that it was racist and you're like that but the people that it was apparently racist towards stated that it wasn't racist so technically the people that determined it was racist are the racist people for thinking that it would be racist. They're the ones that had that mind. It's like, just on that point, it's, it's, it, is, it has to be context. Mm -hmm. And in, in its entirety, like you, yeah. you bring up a good point with the blackboard. A lot, of, uh, a lot of this stuff is people being outraged and offended for somebody else, right? Oh, that's offensive mm -hmm. for them. And other people are like, no, it's not. Nobody assumes that wearing a black t-shirt you're wearing black skin right it's logic it's it's common sense yeah that's not applied to cancel culture 95 percent of the time logic yeah. and critical thinking and contextualization and understanding the full picture of something is often lost on cancel culture because all cancel culture is is basically outrage culture right oh i'm offended this hurt my feelings. You should do this. You should do that. When again, as we've said multiple times, nine times out of 10, the people are like, that's no, that's for me to decide. You also made a, uh, you made some, so many good points and I want to hit on them. The privacy issue. Okay. Whether it's celebrity, whether it's me, you, or the neighbor down the street, everybody is entitled to a certain amount of privacy, right? Yeah. Now, the counter argument to that is, well, they're a celebrity. They chose this. We need to know because we pay their salary. I don't give a flying fuck if you go to the movies and buy their merch. You have no business knowing what goes on in their bedroom, what their garbage is, what they drink, what they spend their money on. You you got no right to any of that. But hey, first, I've got a question for you. All right, go See ahead. out in your streets or anything like that? See the police that would patrol it? <laughs> yeah. Right? See the police officer? What was he doing last night in his house? I don't fucking know. Well, you pay taxes, you pay their wages. 
Therefore, why do you not know what he was doing? If we pay the tax or if we pay the wages that we have a right to know, why are we not going down and demanding what Officer Pilgrim was doing with his wife the other night there? Because Officer Pilgrim's not a celebrity. That's oh, but right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Right. Their argument is based on we pay their wages when we go and watch their film. And you're like, well, when you pay taxes, you pay um, the firefighters, you pay the police, you pay your your doctors and stuff like that. So why are you not demanding that their their news is put throughout papers? Because people who are There's zero logic, right? Because one zero logic, and people people don't want to know about normal people. People want to know about people who live lives they don't have they want to know what's going on with the glamorous people they want to know like what johnny depp is doing what he's drinking because he's a trendsetter this all goes back to social media like social media and celebrity as well because nobody cares what jim bob down the street is or officer pilgrim is but if johnny depp or amber heard or jason momoa or gina carano endorse a product or they come out with a movie they're interesting to us they live lives we don't lead so people want to live vicariously through those lifestyles. And in order to do that, they feel they're entitled to know everything that's going on so they can fulfill their vicarious livelihood, right? Yeah. Again, it all comes down to, you don't know. You have no right to know what they do unless they themselves come out and say, this is what we're doing. This is, this is how our life is. Like on Twitter and on Instagram, I don't share hardly anything about my family. Like on Twitter or on Instagram, you get what I made for dinner. Every once in a while, you get a picture of like me showing off a, a stuffed animal my girlfriend got me. Every once in a while, there's flowers shared. But I decide what is shown. And yeah. all, for so long, the public has been obsessed with celebrity and, and athletes and politicians. People who quote-unquote, live above the regular person. We want to live vicariously yeah. through those people. We want to celebrate their achievements because they're achieving things we cannot, or so we think. So thus, people think they're entitled to that access. They're entitled to that knowledge because they pay the sports ticket or they, or they patronize the theater or the movie. Now, I disagree. I, don't get, I got no say what Amber Heard and J Johnny Depp do. Now, if... Yeah. If there's abuse going on, and that needs to be handled. But it's not my responsibility to handle it. It's not my job to call it out. That's up to them and the authorities exactly. to handle and call out and deal with. Yes. And on that note, Tim made a comment in chat. Tim's hitting good points. We talked about cyber stalking and stalking in general last week. Just a whole yeah. torrent of just nasty shit, right? Why is stalking and cyber stalking such a heinous crime, but what the paparazzi do isn't classified as stalking? Well, I think that is a, 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 a kind of topic because, see, in the UK here, it is actually starting to be targeted. Okay. Like, it is starting to be, like, people are now starting to look at it and ask the question. There used to be a, a, a newspaper here where basically what was happening is the paparazzis were going out to the parties and stuff and they were taking pictures up celebrity skirts. Fuck that, that's dirty shit. And selling it. And you're sitting there and you're going, what the fuck is this? And it's one thing to turn around and go, well, the people that are doing that is shocking, but nothing was being said about the people that were buying it. 
And you're like, hold on a fucking minute. Why the fuck is this company buying these pictures? That's that is an arrestable offence in any other situation. Why the fuck are these paparazzis being paid to do such a thing? And no, it is like the, the stalking and paparazzi is it's such a fine line between it. And I think the only difference between them and my eyes is that the paparazzi get paid for it. I would agree. I would agree. The other thing that the other thing about the paparazzi is um they have this veil of journalism, right? They for so long they've had the we're the journalism, we're the celebrity journalists, we're the ones who report the celebrity stuff. If you want to write a celebrity story, you want to get access the right way, you want to be invited in and take photos, that's journalism. You hiding in the bushes, waiting for ex-celebrity to come out on her house and snap 80 fucking million pictures, you're not a journalist. You're a a criminal. You're a criminal, a creep, and you're nothing but better than an ambulance-chasing lawyer who waits for the accident, come across the fucking scanner, and then shows up before the cops do and be like, you should sue them. I'll represent yeah. you. They're they're vultures. They're vultures who invade who invade privacy, who basically put these people that they're essentially stalking at risk. Because yeah. how many times has there been an attack or a burglary or or I haven't done the research, but linked to paparazzi giving out that information, taking pictures of their homes and, oh, yeah. and posting their exactly. travel schedules. Like, how no, is that is, not illegal? The, the paparazzi um, and that kind of, I mean, one thing that I have noticed is the paparazzi between the UK and the US have differed over the last few years. One of the biggest case in points that I, I always bring up when we're talking about, like, uh, journalist media paparazzi is the story of David Beckham. David Beckham, Victoria Spice. Yeah, they got married. They've got the kids, but one of the kids had epilepsy. Right? right, and the Beckhams went to the UK media when he was playing at Man United and stuff like that, and said, "Look, our kid has epilepsy. When you're taking pictures and it's the flash photography, you can put our child in a life or death situation." Yeah, that's so bullshit. They, by the way, they brought up a a, th- a thing where. You weren't allowed to take a picture of the Beckhams in public, but every week they set up a kind of a situation where the kid wasn't there. The paparazzi could come out, take the pictures, sell right. them in the newspapers. That was it. When he signed for the LA Galaxy, they went to the US media and said, look, such and such is epilepsy. This is the setup we had with the UK media. The US paparazzi told them, fuck off. We'll take your picture. That's bullshit, by the way. occasions in the first month, Romeo had an epileptic fit due to the paparazzi. And you're like, it's a life or death situation for a child. Yep. And the paparazzi there were so inconsiderate and wanted money for a picture that they were willing to kill a child, yet no one bats an eyelid because the paparazzi is journalistic, right? Yeah, it's... The, the thing with... The thing with the whole journalistic rights and power of the press was not, let me clarify, was not to give Johnny fucking paparazzi freedom to invade someone's privacy, to people put people in danger. It was not designed yeah. for you to fucking take photos of Paris Hilton's ass. Journalistic freedom 
was designed for journalists to speak truth to power, to tell the stories that need to be told, not to tell me that Amber heard shit on Johnny Depp's bed. And it's fucking bullshit. And you're right. The Beckhams, like I heard about that Beckham story and that, that shit drove me nuts because I got kids with special needs, not epilepsy, but they got special needs. And if some asshole with a camera put them in danger, I wouldn't be here right now because homeboy would be catching ass whoopings. Oh, yeah. Because in no way, shape, or form are you allowed to endanger the lives of your subjects. Like, you can't do that. For one, if they've already had a setup where it's okay for you to take photos, honor that request. And again, it comes back to cancel culture and social media. People feel like they're entitled to a level of access of information, be it through Twitter or Instagram or whatever, that we've never had before. And a long time you would hear, if you go to the bar, you would hear, oh, you know, Steve's an asshole and, you know, he he did such and such to his wife or whatever. And the guys at the bar would be like, oh, fuck that dude, whatever, whatever, right? But they didn't jump on Twitter and get Steve thrown in jail, right? Yeah. But now (laughs) the vocal minority of social media goes, well, Amber Heard did this. Johnny Depp did that. Jason Momoa said something I didn't like. Well, fuck them, and hundreds of tweets go out, retweets, and this, that. And then these big corporations who are more focused on the optics of something and not the actual context or the or the subject matter, just the optics of how it will affect their company's shares or how their investors will feel or how that automatically make these massive leaps and be like, well, Johnny Depp's bad, fuck him. Gina Carano is an anti-Semite, anti-masker. Fuck her, get her out of there. But they don't stop to look at it. They don't be like, all right, well, okay, she said some shit that's fucked up. And Johnny Depp's gone through some shit, and he did some dumb shit, and Amber Heard's kind of fucking psycho. If, yeah. they, if, they, if they would not listen to the optics, look at the context and the subject matter and the fucking evidence. Because if we don't, you and I can get canceled tomorrow for this conversation. But I guess to put a final pin in this, I think cancel culture is not something that should be given as much power as it has. It should not be so readily embraced without logic and the full context of the goddamn situation. Because without that, you're just throwing mud at the wall and you're going to leave a trail of bodies that aren't necessarily the perpetrators of the crime or or the wrongdoing that you're trying to cancel. What do you think? Final thought. Um, no, I would I would have to agree. I I think cancel culture as a societal thing shouldn't be a thing. I understand that people do bad things that they need to be like. It's the whole freedom of speech. Yes, you have freedom of speech, but you do not have freedom of consequence. If you do or say something that is offensive, yes, you have the right to say it or do it, but people have the right to pull you up for it. But I don't think it's right that random people on the internet have the power to do such a thing. I can understand if a company decides we don't want you representing us before what what, what you've said and all that. That's all well and good. That's within everybody and that company's right to do so. But to allow the internet to put force and pressure on certain companies in order to get their way, that's where I think it's wrong. Because as I said at the start, there's a lot of times where 
people are not getting the opportunity to educate themselves and better themselves. And that's where I think we need to start going down. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I, I definitely agree with all your points on that. What did he say? This is a topic that has ransacked the internet world for years to the point where like Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg got involved. Right? Yeah, I read that. And that is, is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> All right. Where are you going with and this? Now, this might be upsetting to some viewers, but a hot dog is in fact a taco. Really? Yes, because Webster's Dictionary defines a sandwich as filling sandwich between two slices of bread, right? Two separate entities of bread okay. with a filling in the middle makes a sandwich. Unless you slice that hot dog bun straight through, it is in fact a taco. A taco is something with starch in the bottom and starch on both sides. That is a taco. If you want to go further into it, as you can start, there's a website that where it was the Washington Post brought up this whole big thing and all that mm -hmm, kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a thing called the cube rule of food, which is eight different categories for identifying dishes based on starch locations. So the way it kind of works out is if it's starch on the bottom, so just like flat on the bottom, right? it works out that that is a toast. Okay? That's, okay. that's toast at the bottom. I follow you. Two starches on opposing sides is a sandwich. Okay. Right? Uh, starch on the bottom and two opposing sides becomes a taco, which is self-explanatory. If the starch is rolled in all sides apart from two opposing sides, that makes it a sushi, mm. which means the likes of an enchilada, where it's a tortilla filling in the middle, rolled up, it's a sushi. Tim, a Twinkie is in fact a calzone. Uh -huh. Because the starch is encasing in, in, in a filling. So Twinkies are actually a calzone, which is a crazy thought. So is a Pop-Tart. A Pop-Tart is, in fact, a calzone. A pizza is, in fact, toast because it is one flat starch. Ooh, with we don't tongue. fight about that. Oh, no, that's, that's like science is there. <laughs> the science is there. A Swiss roll cake, that's, in fact, sushi because it's a filling with starch rolled up. The, 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 the biggest kind of talking point is cereal. Any starch that is within a liquid becomes a soup. Therefore, cereal is a cold soup. There's no denying the facts. I mean... It's like a vanilla soy latte mm. is actually a three-bean soup, if you think about it. Because you've got your vanilla, you've got your coffee, you've got your soy. That's a three-bean soup. It's cold like gazpacho, but it's still. And there's there's not a lot that you can really time in that. It's the same with uh, like a quiche. See if you were to take a quiche, which is uh, starts in the bottom and all the way around. Right. That makes it a bread bowl. Okay. All right. I, I... So, but what you then have to go into is starches that don't have sides, in which like spaghetti. What is spaghetti then? And in fact, spaghetti works out to be a salad. 
because it's just it's it's just there on its own. It doesn't have size. It doesn't have anything like that. Um, poutine is also a salad. Fried rice is a salad. Mashed potatoes is a salad. The the questionable one that was brought up in this uh, page was a steak. It's technically a salad because it's on its own. Even though it's a one ingredient salad, it's still a salad. And then that's where you can start going into a lot like uh, a a, white, a loaf of bread is the building block of the formula and it might be a side six sided starch but it doesn't get placed as a calzone it's still an uncut toast okay that's the way they think it's the same with like a plain donut is toast but a jelly donut's a calzone i saw that reference which i think it's, it's a good reference and they make a valid point so that's that's kind of that's what I want to talk about. And it's the same with like the chicken pot pie, the shepherd's pie, which is in fact toast jam side down. Okay. So what's your thoughts on any of those amazing <laughs> points I made? I mean, they are amazing points, but I would logically, scientifically, it all makes sense, right? I hadn't heard about the cube rule until you sent me this article. And when I read it, my initial reaction was like, get the fuck out of here, right? But... As I ran into it and I started thinking about it logically, it, it makes sense scientifically, right? It makes sense to me. Yeah. Pieces. Well, we can wrap it up then. No, 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 no. I was right. You ain't getting away that easy. You ain't getting away that easy, homeboy. Now, I could see some of that, how it's explained. Now, the problem I have with it is the the cube rule boils everything down to six major food form factors and whatnot. By doing so, it takes the nuance of said dishes out and it generalizes all these I wouldn't foods. generalize. I would say more simplifies. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Good, better word. <laughs> it simplifies things that don't really need to be simplified. Like a hot dog is a hot dog. Like, it's, it's a dog in a bun. Pizza is pizza. Like, in a way to me, it, it, it seems... It seems an over-analysis of, of something because a taco is a taco. Yes, if you stuff meat or veg and wrap it on three, you know, three sides like they say, yeah, you could call it a taco. I get it, but a taco is a taco, man. There are things that make a taco a taco. There are things that make a calzone a calzone. Now, I agree, a calzone is, is a particular dish. Like, it's an Italian dish it's got you know filling in it but then but do you want to go deeper what's a pasty have you ever heard of pasty is a calzone exactly but but it's a pasty though a pasty yeah, is a pasty, and, a calzone a pasty calzone. in like certain areas like like especially if you look at the uk as a whole um like you take the dinner roll right the dinner roll to us is just a roll other parts of the country call it a dinner roll. Some parts of the country call it a bap. There's all different variations. So it's still the same thing. And I think the way this sort of goes is that it takes all the variables of everything and boils it down to eight absolutes. And it and, and my interpretation of it is, one, turning around and saying like a hot dog's a taco is just a bit of poking fun and stuff like that. Right, it's, 100%. Like, I, I don't think it's supposed to be taken serious in that. It's just, it's a funny topic to kind of get. But what I think also things is, 
to me, it opens up much more than it closes. Like, yeah, you, you can limit this as a pizza's a pizza, a hot dog's a hot dog. But see if you were to turn around and go, a hot dog's a taco and a taco's a taco. It would also help create that you can put any filling into such a thing and it will still have a name. Like if I put jelly and peanut butter in a taco, it's still a taco. A lot of people would turn around and go, fuck you then. But at least it has its thing. If I took a donut and instead of filling it with jam, decided, you know what, I'm going to put blue cheese in that thing. Still a donut. Thanks. If I enjoy it, I mean, it will taste absolutely horrible, but it, it still, it just it allows people to be able to go, I've made this new thing. It's a taco, even though it's not a normal taco. It whatever the, 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 the kind of society would deem as a taco, but it just opens up a lot more. Thing. I mean, and also it makes it sound better when you turn around and go, I had a salad for my dinner when in actual fact you had a big bowl of pasta. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you, 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 you were, you, you led to a point that I was about to make is, um, it does, it does do that because if you, if you take away a lot of the, the stodginess and the nuance, you don't get into these arguments that, well, like you said, is peanut butter and jelly in a tortilla a taco? Well, yeah, it is. But the food purists would be like, that's not a taco. And to me... But who are they to determine <laughs> exactly. which is which? I agree. Like, who are they to tell me that me putting tomato sauce on my cereal is wrong? I mean, your taste buds might tell you you're wrong, but that's that's neither here nor there. But I agree. I'll I, enjoy my soup. You, you have at it. <laughs> But I, I think I think the I think the whole point of is a hot dog a sandwich is sort of a um, it's sort of like a just an, an in depth sort of over analysis of what we how we classify and how we view food, right? Um, because cuisine in first world countries is a luxury for a lot of people. It's it's something that we can ascribe nuance and clarification and stratification too like who's to say that a pepperoni pizza with sausage and cheese isn't the best pizza where someone would argue well you gotta have white truffle and gouda on your pizza right food especially in, in first world nations and i use first world as in like where food culture is discussed it like we are as a, as a luxury i think it, it's it's that that is more of a of a thing that we do say like somebody in a third world country where food isn't a luxury or, or they're dealing with food scarcity they're not going to give a shit if you hand them a twinkie and say it's a calzone they're not going to give a shit if you tell them the cereal is soup they're not going to give a shit if pizza is toast all they're going to give a shit is is it going to fill my belly am i going to stop getting hunger pings am i going to be able to provide for my family because i ingested this meal and i think I think much like the argument is hot dog a sandwich, you're not right or wrong either way, especially with how you clarify it because a hot dog is a sandwich can also be a cultural thing. Like many people in chat have said a sandwich is a burrito in another country. Uh, to me, a pasty isn't a calzone, it's a pasty. A pizza is a pizza. A Pop-Tart's a Pop-Tart because that's the way I learned the item. I didn't think about the form factor or the classification of what it is. It's fucking pop tart. It's fucking pizza. To me, that's what it is. So yeah. I think it's 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 
it's it's a, a luxury conversation and it's a cultural conversation. Because if you have the luxury to discuss food culture, have at it. You're one of the lucky ones. There's millions of people who don't have food or they're in food deserts or have food scarcity. And then your cultural upbringing determines on how you view said item of food, whether it's a soup. Like you said, gazpacho. Gazpacho is a soup, right? It's a cold soup, but it's a soup. So by that definition, anything in some sort of liquid is a soup. Thus, on some levels... Cereal is 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 a soup, but yeah. also with that we just we ascribe certain rules and stratifications to food, much like we do everything else. And I think the cube theory kind of takes away those stratifications and and boils them down to their basic elements to open up the conversation yeah. of food without and the I pretense. Think, I think it also allows people to actually enjoy. Like this is just my interpretation of it, but. Um, growing up, my family wasn't rich by all means and all that kind of stuff. There was times where my mum and or my parents would go without as long as we were fed and stuff like that. Um, when we were like, back when we were really young, um, my mum often talks about at the end of the week, my mum and dad and my granny and grandpa would swap who made dinners so that it would keep the kind of gas bills down and stuff like that. So. In my mind, for families that don't have the kind of means, you talk about like pizza and like cuisines and stuff like that, as you said, in third world countries. But you don't even have to look to third world countries. In some places, like like the UK and some areas, yep. um, it is limited. So being able to turn around and just say something, if you take a slice of bread, fold it in half without cutting it and put something in it, it's a taco. And it just brings that sort of fun aspect to who cares what society deems as a a sandwich or a taco or a pizza or a toast or anything like that. Like the main part of it is food is supposed to be fun and enjoyable. So if like as I said, it was the whole lasagna thing. Lasagna is a meat cake. That is it. Yeah. It's layered starch with a filling. It's a meat cake. That's it. Cheesecake is a toast. yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I can't argue with that. But I didn't mean to interrupt, continue. I just wanted to agree on your point. No, 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 that, that, that was pretty much the main point, was just that it's supposed to be an enjoyable thing. So why why allow these food connoisseurs to dictate the level of sophistication in food? It's like like whiskey. Everybody thinks, oh, there's a certain way you have to drink whiskey, you have to think. No, just... Take a bottle of whiskey, put it in a glass and drink it. If you want to mix it with something, mix it with something. If you want to have a bottle in one go, have a bottle. If you want to have a glass and sip it over two hours, that's it. There's too much that go into these things that deter people from trying it or enjoying it. Right. Let's scrub that. If you want to call a hot dog a taco, fucking go ahead. Enjoy yourself. It's going to taste the same whether it's called a taco or a hot dog. So Yeah. No, like you said, uh, to kind of put a end end point on a couple of your points you're right and i didn't mean to imply that it's a third world issue there are millions of children here in america that don't have food that that have to skip meals i myself have kids i when they're all together there's five of them that's complicated i'm not going to go into the makeup they're all mine right I, they live in my house they're all together together even with the jobs that i have between working full-time and doing twitch i've had to skip meals so they could eat my girlfriends had to skip meals so they could eat. 
So it's not just first first world nations that have the luxury of food because food scarcity and food insecurity are major issues in the world, not only here, but in the UK, but also in Africa and China. And I think until that no longer becomes an issue and until food insecurity and food scarcity ceases to be an issue, who the fuck cares if a hot dog yeah. is a sandwich, if your sushi is a burrito, if your pizza is toast, if your lasagna is a meat cake. I don't give a shit. Does it taste good? Yeah. Is it something that I'm going to enjoy? Is it going to fill my belly? Fucking have at it. Like, bring that shit on. For too long, food snobs have, like you said, gatekept what is, what is it? I don't give a shit. I don't care what your food snob says. As long as it's good and it fills my belly. I don't give a flying fuck. But I do, I do admit, I do like the cube theory. And I, I do like the discussion of food as, as it is. So I think that, I think that was really interesting because I'd never heard the cube theory before. And I thought that was, that was, uh, that was interesting. It was an interesting read. And to hear your thoughts on it, I can't disagree, man. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. What the, who the fuck cares? Well, at the same time, the Supreme Court justice ruled that the hot dog is in fact a sandwich. So yes, they did. They did. Anybody indeed. that thinks otherwise is wrong. So. <laughs> Do you speak any English? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? No. Nope. I cannot believe this shit. Stardew Valley, what the fuck? All right. <laughs> I got some thoughts and I got some feels about this because Stardew Valley is a game that I wrote off as like, nope, not my, not my jam. I'm not into the farming sim. I'm not into the survival shit. I'm not, no, mm, no, no, it's not, it's not my jam. No, I'll hard pass. Right. <laughs> and then you and Zim's ass, we're online last night when I'm doing GM prep and whatnot and finalizing whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, we've been playing Stardew Valley forever, blah, 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 blah. You should join us. It's real fun, dogs. And then you start streaming at the Discord and I start watching it. And I'm like, all right, I can, uh, all right. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then you're like, oh, it's a tenor. I'm like, fuck, I'm in, right? So I buy this game that I would never buy under normal circumstances. And I end up streaming this thing for eight and a half fucking hours. Right. Can't tell you what was keeping me involved. Right. Like I don't like farming. So I planted seeds, watered my shit, picked my shit up out the ground. But then I was like, Ooh, there's mines to explore. Ooh, there's fishing. Fuck your fishing mechanic. Can't stand that shit. I'm bad at it. I'm so bad at it. But then it's like, Oh, there's interesting people in town. And I'm like, well, all right, I got to talk to them. And then the game is like, Oh, you're part of this community, so they have community events. And I'm like, all right. And slowly but surely, all these little elements suck me in. And I'm like, ooh, I got to water this, and I got to feed my dog, and I got to go talk to Emily, and I got to talk to Abigail because Abigail's bait, and Leah's a bitch. And then I got to go to the dance, and I can't get a dance for the date, even though I gave that bitch cookies, and she still turned me down for the dance. <laughs> I can't explain to you why... Stardew Valley caught my attention and held it. Because normally I'm like, bag that amount. But I'm like, now I'm thinking to myself, 
all right, next time I go back to the farm, I got to catch that fish. I got to plant that seed. I got to get down in the mines. And then I got to go talk to that bitch who turned me down for the dance. And then I got to go talk to Sebastian's fucking loser which, ass. Which woman was it that turned you down? Because I'm pretty sure there was seven. You know what? We don't need to talk about that right now. We don't. No. The number, the number is irrelevant of who turned me down, Chris. I'm pretty sure it was an important part of the whole scheme where you went to seven different people and each of them turned you down in a much more aggressive manner as you went on. Didn't know I had to give you fuckers presents. Yeah, I just wanted, Tim's just raised a good point. It was actually 12. Yeah, I'm, I'm 12 knockbacks. Yeah, you know, I was 12. purposely ignoring. In the case of what, five minutes? Five minutes, 12 knockbacks. I was purposely ignoring Tim's correction of how many it was because we don't need to talk about that because they all have bad taste. They should have danced with dogs because I'm a hell of a dancer and I'm fly with my gray hair and my blue eyes and my skull t-shirt. But again, I tell you, I cannot properly articulate why I enjoyed my time in the game because it's not a game. Uh, it's not a game style that I enjoy normally. I hate farming simulators. I hate re relationship management. I hate crafting shit. But for some reason, Stardew Valley got his hooks in me. The graphic style I like, the music, the sound effects, the great. There is a bit of darkness there that I want to explore, like what's going on with the, the company. I want to kill Morris yeah. in his sleep and put his head on a yeah. pike because he just, I don't, I cannot articulate why all I can think about playing is Stardew Valley lately. And I fucking hate you and Zim. I can't stand it right now because I want to play mean Stardew Valley. You can't really hate me because as much as you were knocked back so many times, I spent 12 hours trying to catch a catfish for an achievement. 12 solid hours. I think I managed to get to day 27 trying to catch a catfish. I was in every lake, every river, every ocean. I was very, was it raining? Was it sunny? Was it 6 a.m.? Was it 6 p.m.? Every which way I possibly could. And could I catch a bloody fucking catfish? No. And it was 5.35 a.m. when I finally caught. And if, if anybody wants to try, after the stream, go and check out Rin Siren's stream. Because she's got the moment on her stream I where I found it. a fucking catfish. I got a clip And it, it was... It was a beautiful moment. I cried and everything. <laughs> we and like I, a baby. I shut down the game and went to my bed. <laughs> That's amazing. I got to go clip her. She's, I think she's got the bottom. I have to go clip that for you. <laughs> now, here's the question. All that, all that trial and tribulation, you still want to go back, don't you? Oh, definitely. As soon as this stream's done, I'm going back onto the game. Yeah, I'm going to edit some shit. <laughs> Slacker. But what if... I can't edit until you come back, so... <laughs> What I'll go if... catch another pike. <laughs> what okay? How would you articulate Stardew Valley? What, 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 what for you? What is the hook? Because I'm hooked. I want to play more Stardew Valley. It's to be honest, it's one of the games. Like for me personally, if I was going to explain to someone that was interested in buying it, the way I would say it is: it is the most infuriating, soul destroying, time consuming piece of shit that you need to go and buy because it's also just so gripping as you said the kind of the music is just such a chill relaxing 
music, um, the the style of game. On some of the achievement, there's like, oh, you've got a two day period. But in most things, there's not a rush. You're not. You need to do this. You need to do that. It's a as you play the game, unlock these things as you go. But like you said, there is a kind of there is a story behind like the, the Georgia company and stuff like that. And Morris fucker, um, <laughs> Fuck him. you want to discover. And there's just so many little aspects where, like, there's that 12 hours where I was on your stream for the entire eight hours of it. And if you watch that stream, all you hear in the background is me constantly going, fuck this game, fuck this catfish, fuck this, fuck that, fuck all this stuff. <laughs> and I was still there playing it because I could not turn the fucking thing off. Oh, yeah, you're, you're not wrong, man. I died so much. Uh... I just I died laughing so hard because every time you'd you'd pull a fish, I'd wait and then I'd hear son of a bitch and I'd just I'd be like Oh my god, it was hilarious. And here's the thing. I think you hit a nail on the head. It's relaxing. Yeah. I don't play relaxing games. Like I've never been one to play a relaxing game. I because I'm always running. I'm always there's always a podcast. There's always an RPG. There's always a kid emergency, dinner, groceries, errands, work, dog, girlfriend, all of it. I don't slow down. I don't relax. Like my relaxation is when the work week is over on Friday from my day job. I get to sleep in on Saturday and then I get to look forward to streaming and hanging out with my kids. But I don't relax. I don't want docs is always like, right. And I think because of the music being so reminiscent of like old school nintendo or old school sega yeah. that sort of that chip tunes sort of upbeat zelda almost zelda like adventure yeah, there's a definite vibe there's mm -hmm. a definite vibe with just every song in the soundtrack yeah the the soundtrack does so much to just kind of let you absorb into the world of stardew valley and yeah. when I got it, I was like, oh, well, is there a story? And you guys were like, yeah, there's a story, but it's not central to it. But yet, I want to know what the hell's going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. I want to know, is, I almost want to know, is this town like hot fuzz? Is everybody as nice and normal as they say? Or is there some dirty, dirty going on that I don't know about? <laughs> and I want to know, why is Sebastian such a emo boy? Why is Elliot living in a house with no lights and spiders? Like, is that your jam, Elliot? Because it's not mine. I want to know more. I'm yeah. drawn in. It's like, it almost reminds me, and I only played for eight hours, and I want—I definitely want to go back. I'm definitely going to stream it more this week because I'm, I'm hooked. Fucking game. It's almost like a good sitcom where the, the yeah. setup is kind of like, oh, you've seen it, right? But then a character comes in and you're like, oh, that dude's interesting. Or a funny moment happens in the woods. You're like, oh, that's great. Yeah. And I think... I think to me that's what Stardew Valley has. It has that it has that one familiar sort of you've been there, you know the formula, but it presents mm -hmm. it in a way that is eye-catching, ear-catching, and makes you sort of want to fall into it because it's such a relaxing thing. And then you get hit with the characters and you start to feel invested. And like Tim said, neither of us are, are sponsored by the developers, but that's a damn fine game. And mm -hmm. it's infuriating. Your fishing mechanic can eat my ass. Um, I've perfected the fishing mechanic. I can't wait to see it. Um, <laughs> your relationship mechanic of not knowing who likes what, I get. 
and everybody like a couple guys were a couple people were sending me to wiki oh they like that i don't want i don't want the wiki let me get to know these people myself and see if i can figure it out yeah. i appreciate the help send me all you want but i'm not going to read the wiki i want to get to know elliot i want to get to know what abigail's into i want to see what emily's doing i want to know what Leah is doing and then i want to figure out what the hell george is up to and i want to yeah. go back and i want to find out what's in the mines why do i gotta go to level 40 is there an end to the mine is there a monster hiding in there? Is something going to destroy my quaint little town that I got to defend with my rusty ass sword and my skull t-shirt? Because that ain't happening on Dox's watch, baby. Not happening. And it's the same with the community center. It's exactly. why are you rebuilding the community center? What's the story behind that? I know it, in my mind it's somewhat connected to the Georgia thing, mm-hmm. but like it's such a cool thing of you're having to go throughout the the town mm-hmm. and the other aspects of the game to then collect these things for the community center. Like what's going to happen when you finally build the community center? Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much. And the one thing that I want to point out is it was Zim that put it on to me. Yep. And I'd like to say, fuck you, Zim. Yeah. Big Thank fuck you, you Zim. Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned the, the, the community center, I had a thought. Stardew Valley has a very Scooby-Doo like quality to me. Yeah, it has a very Saturday. Oh, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, yeah, it has a very Saturday morning cartoon vibe where you you get invested and you want to watch another episode. It's it's the sitcom thing, but it does with the yeah. community center specifically. Is is JoJo the evil corporation? Are we gonna unmask a, a real estate developer who wants to bulldoze a town and destroy all these lives like they do on Scooby Doo? Because if that's happening, I'm throwing that bitch in the river. And the yeah. catfish can eat. Like that is such a nice wee thing. Is the fact that it does have that sort of dark story feel mm-hmm. but at the same time not to the point where it's just going to be graphic it's like it's like it's got a darkened kind of story like scooby-doo where it grips you you're yep. interested but it's not a kind of movie style where it's terrible things are going on it's just it's a fun mystery it's it's a it's a fun mystery presented in a way that is enjoyable relaxing calming intriguing mm-hmm. now if i was gonna nitpick from a, a a game design perspective and i'm not a game designer but i do do a lot of game commentary during my streams is a lot of the quest lines are just glorified collectathons and fetch quests it's same yeah. shit go collect 99 of that turn it in go collect 99 of that go turn it in give so there's not a lot of depth or nuance right now bear in mind i'm eight hours in to the quest yeah. system and for some people that'll be a turnoff. Like they're like, Oh, it's just, it's a collectathon. It's a fetch quest. But, and I've been that way in the past where it's like, okay, I did five fetch quests. This is all you got to offer bag it. I'm out. Not worth my time. But Stardew Valley packages it and presents it in a way with so many little, little wriggles and nuances to the people you're doing the things for that you're okay to do it. Because you want to know more. Yeah. You want to unravel the mystery. You want to spend more time fishing, even though the fishing sucks ass. You want to, like, chop more trees because you want to plant more seeds and water your dog and, and build on your house. Because, in essence, it's sort of a life and relationship simulator without the drama and the bullshit and the real-world repercussions and just the, mm. the, the, the overarching despair that life can be sometimes. It's an escapist to another sort of reality of like, okay, you're in a Saturday morning Scooby-Doo episode. You're in, you're in that sitcom with all your friends and there may be some dark shit that you got to face as friends, but you're going to face it as friends. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's another hook for me. 
You know, I, I think I'll be amazed if it turns out that Robin shot on Demetrius's bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would it? Would it? Would it? Would it? I mean, that that begs the question: Do you have a right to know if Robin shot on Demetrius's bed? <laughs> but I mean, eight hours in, eight and a half hours in, I I gotta tell you right now, I'm I'm infatuated with Stardew Valley, and I didn't give it a chance. I looked at it, I saw a bunch of people playing it, a bunch of streamers that I followed who are bigger, you know, were bigger. They 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 proclaim this green this game's greatness. They're like, it's amazing. I love it. I want to play more of it. And I'm like, eh, not for me. And yeah. for me, one of my biggest takeaways of Stardew Valley is my own bias, my own prejudice, my own well, got in the way of something that I've been on my radar. It's always in my recommends on Steam. Yeah. But because I was like, eh, it's it's not my jam. I was afraid to dip into it till I saw you two going at it. You two having fun with it. You two laughing it up, having a great time. And I'm like, all right, yeah. And then Rins jumped in later for a little while. And Tim jumped in on voice chat. And it, it was sort of this communal, like, bullshit hangout yeah. session. And Well, the Rins made a really f- a funny and good point during that call. <coughs> is the fact that there was four years in that call. You can play four player, but... Tim wasn't playing, he was watching. The three us were all in our own game. We weren't even playing the same game together. But we were. But it was, the the way the game's created is, be it you're playing it or not playing it, be in the same game or not in the same game, everybody can just be apart. It's all similar. Like, me going out after a catfish and constantly complaining that I couldn't catch one, you and your dance partner, Mishap, there was like, so Thanks. much going on that we were all involved in, even though we weren't actually involved in it. It's yeah. just such a good communal game in that sense that just get everybody hopped into a, a, a voice chat and just laugh away at the, the entirety of the game. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, I don't know, like I said, man, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm infatuated with it. Um, I want to know more. I want to dip into it. I want to unravel it. And I mean... I want to be in voice chat and like have people laugh about <laughs> me not catching a dance partner or, or, or I want to, I want to do it on, uh, even if I don't stream it, like I want to know more. I want to play more. I want to play more with my friends because you're right. It, it is a communal thing, even though we're not playing co-op, we're still playing yeah. co-op because you're in your, your farm. I'm in my farm. Your, your experience, your story is different than mine. Maybe you get a dance partner. Maybe you take 12 hours to catch that catfish where I catch, you know, 50 carp you know yeah and i think i think that's a gripping thing and i think that is i think that's one from a a streamer's perspective engrossing because you want to see that person's story of their farm they become a character in that show and on a personal level you want to know that story you want to know your story exactly like definitely because like as as you pointed out it's like uh, be it they're streaming it or not i'd message them and said by the way I've downloaded the game. I was playing a couple of like a, a bit yet to get used to the mechanics and stuff if you want to play it. Uh, and it was just a kind of spur of the moment where me and Zim just started playing. And he had said whether or not he was going to like stream it or not. But it ended up that it was just in the voice chat, just the two years. And it really was, it was one of the best gaming experiences I've had in a long time. Facts. Just the game and just how chilled and relaxing and stuff like that it was. And then when you came in here and we kind of, it started getting a wee bit, like when we started to get to like hour six, hour seven, hour eight, 
it started getting a wee bit more infuriating and stuff like that. I still couldn't stop. Like, you still wanted to get to that next bit. I play FIFA and Football Manager and stuff like that. I'm right. used to repetitive games. So that aspect of it never really bothered me. But just everything else about it, just it's just, as you said, it's just so gripping and yep. relaxing that makes you want to play more. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. So, all right. We're going to continue on with the gaming discussion uh, because we are gamers. We're also opinionated individuals. Uh, we didn't get to this last week because we went a little long in the Super Bowl, but one of the things we like to talk about is upcoming game releases. We had this on the schedule for last week, and I think it's important to touch on because we've already hit on Stardew Valley. Um, you mentioned FIFA and Football Manager, and I mentioned that I, I usually don't play these games. So we got a couple games. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of run through them, talk about our thoughts about them, kind of give you our thoughts and what we feel because they're interesting. What we know about them, what we don't know about them, what we expect. So first game up on the list, you put down... League of Legends Wild Rift. Now, uh, I'll let you take the lead because you put that on the list. Well, I put it on the list because I'm new to League of Legends. Yeah, you are. And it's one of the ones, League of Legends, similar to Stardew Valley. Mm -hmm. It completely gripped me. It was never a type of game that I played. I I mean, I rarely played games anyway, but whenever I play it, you do want to keep on going, keep on going, like that and enjoy but but it's more the kind of camaraderie like when everybody's in a voice chat and you've got five years these are all going in it's it's just such a fun kind of thing um but league of legends wild drift is coming up and it's what it basically is is it's league of legends coming to mobile yes that's that's pretty much what it is which to me again not sponsored by but to me it just brings up that other aspect of somebody that for a living is on the road a lot of the time and spend most of my time at service stations, on the side of the road, on ferries and stuff like that. Having a mobile game is like mobile games are the bane of my existence. I hate them with a passion. They're just they're the bad kind of Stardew Valley where they're just infuriating. Yep. And I'll literally start a game, I'll play for three days, and then I'll no touch it for six months. Because it's like the amount of games that I've got on my phone now that I've played stop playing and we'll probably play again later down the line for a couple of days maybe but league of legends just seems like that game where if it's on my mobile i'm gonna play the shit out of it when i'm sitting at a service station yeah i'm i'm interested in wild rift too because for me league of legends is really hard and for you audio listeners this might be difficult so i'm gonna try and articulate this well i don't have two working hands and League of Legends on PC is a, a multi-opponent battle arena game. It's a MOBA where you use the keyboard and mouse to play the game. My right hand only functions as a claw due to a stroke I had when I was young. So doing W, A, S, and D on the keyboard and trying to aim skill shots and trigger abilities and be able to respond in real time is extremely difficult for me. Extremely difficult. So league of legends on pc i only play bots because one i'm not a sweaty tryhard two i don't want to deal with the toxic bullshit i want to play with my friends right yeah i like the idea of wild rift because it's two thumbs my thumbs work i can i can play two thumbs on my phone all day and it's free to play and you can link your existing riot account and potentially get I don't know the details, but they were talking about potentially maybe giving you additional champions or champions that you had paid for. You may get included. I don't know all the details, but I like it. And it looks better. 
the animations are crisper. The character designs are updated. Um, there's more things you can do with like win animations and stuff like that. Now, in order to talk about it, we got to talk about the business model, which isn't come out yet. But if it is like League of Legends, it is free to play where you fund the game, additional game by buying cosmetics for your champions or buying champions. Now, to be fair, you can unlock champion unlock champions through gameplay. You can get skins that you normally have to pay for for free because they've been giving more and more out. So if Wild Rift will echo that same monetization, I'm okay with it. I I'm excited yeah. cuz I definitely want to dip into it because if Wild Rift is easier for me to play to a, a better degree instead of, you know, playing like garbage all the time, I'll feel better about myself because I don't like being bad at video games, even though I'm terrible at video games. I like to think that I'm somewhat decent. And if Wild Rift gives me that, I'm a badass, I'm all good. Yeah. Now, you bring up a point, and I don't want to labor too long because we've got a couple to get through. Mobile gaming. Mobile gaming, I think, unfairly gets a bad reputation amongst your hardcore or traditional gamers because everybody's like, oh, if you're a mobile gamer, you're not a real gamer. Fuck that. There are some really, really good mobile games. I've played a bunch. This mon yeah. uh, Monument Valley, uh, uh, Legends of Runeterra, Hearthstone. Like, there are some quality mobile games. The problem is, is there is so much shit, poorly monetized and horribly monetized uh, mobile games, that it makes finding the really quality stuff hard. And I think that's a huge thing about it. Yeah. And Dread makes up a good point in chat. Genshin Impact started as a mobile game and it's blown up. And it's translated yeah. well to a, to a PC game. So I think if people approach Wild Rift with an open mind and kind of lose that, oh, it's a mobile game, mobile games aren't real games. Yeah. I, I think it I think it could be uh, something that unfortunately will eat up a lot of my time, which I'm not yeah. I'm not all I'm not all happy about that, but if it's a good game, I'm I'm all for it. And if the developers are honest with it, I think it'll give more and more people an opportunity to connect and have those moments, especially if they have a way to do voice chat with your friends on Wild Rift. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. All right. Moving on. Uh coming up in May, it's a little ways away. There's a game called Biomutant coming out. Now, Biomutant is something I've had on my radar for a while. Since I think it was 2017. I think E3 2017 the trailer dropped. And when I saw it, I was I was automatically in because it was Biomutant is billed as an open world kung fu RPG. Yeah. I, those of you that know me, have been a martial artist for over 30 years. I've studied 12 different styles from around the world. I've spent 20 years teaching martial arts, all different styles from around the world. So when you talk kung fu RPG, brah, you got my attention. And then when I saw the trailer of being sort of this kung fu panda inspired post-apocalyptic small mammal kind of character designs where you could build exactly. your own weapons and modify your character i was i was down 100 day one a one day one and to find out that my pc can run it on high specs yeah your boy is interested and then the developers went dark about a year ago they were posting stuff and then went dark we didn't hear nothing and then just a couple months ago, they came out and said, sorry, we went dark, but we had to shift some of the stuff we were doing 
because the new consoles came out. We had to make a decision. Are we doing next gen? The primary development of the game was built for last gen. And that's what they decided. We're just going to build and perfect the last gen. And with the additional time that they had on the delays, they wrote more story. They worked on the game systems better. They developed more combat mechanics. They made the gear more interesting. So Biomutant, I'm like hoping. Like everything I've seen, great. I'm in, but you got to execute. And I never pre-order games because I need to know that you can pull it off before I put my hard-earned money in it and before I tell my viewers and my family my friends, this is something you need to want. And and one of the things the game developers had said was they, um, instead of making this sprawling, massive world, it's it's like eight square, the game world is like eight square kilometers, which is, it's definitely a more condensed open world. But what they had said is they wanted to really focus on the quality of what was in that world, not necessarily having the biggest world yeah. with the most shit to do. They wanted what you did to mean something, to be interesting, to, to keep you into wanting to push forward. And I really like that. So yeah, Biomutant, huge on my radar. I, I like what I'm seeing so far. I just hope they can execute it. Much like the Nike arthritis shoe we talked about. Yeah. You got me interested. You're saying the right things. Can you execute it to the to the to the to the degree that you say you can? Far Cry six. This is one you put on the list. I don't know much about it. Kind of give me a give me a lowdown. Um well to be honest, it's one of the games where uh it's I've played the rest of the Far Cry's Mm-hmm. And it's a game that I really enjoy. I love the story. I love the mechanic. I love the background. This one completely came out the blue for me. This one just, I didn't even know it was something that they're working on. What actually drew me to realise that is the fact that Gideon's the main character in it. Yes, Giancarlo Esposito. That was what I went, I need to look into this. Phenomenal and as soon as I read actor. it, and I seen kind of what they're looking to do and how it's kind of, they've taken, like, it's different from the other Far Cry's but it's the same as the other Far Cry's. So it's like, as much as they've drifted from what they usually done, they've kept enough there that people that have enjoyed the Far Cry series are still going to be hooked. Is it child soldiers on an island nation? I I, I caught as a trailer. As far as I know, that's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of like an uprising kind of thing okay. where... The kind of child soldiers and stuff like that, but it's more about the uprising of a guerrilla group okay. trying to take down a dictator, which oh, is yeah. similar in most Far Cry stories. Yeah. That's what it's always been, but it's just it's it's like the next step, even though it's different. I I don't play the Far Cry series, but I do watch playthroughs of them because I I like the storyline, I like the narrative, I like yeah. the cutscenes. And I, when I saw the trailer, the announcement trailer for this one, I got that vibe of it's Far Cry, but it, it's it's Far Cry on another level. Because when you bring in yeah. an actor like John Carlo Esposito, an amazing Hollywood actor, not to not to defame Troy Baker, who's an amazing actor, or Steve Bloom, or any of the voice actors that have voiced characters in the Far Cry series, but John Carlo Esposito as the main villain, so to speak, the dictator. There's going to be yeah. a level of gravitas. There's going to be a level, potentially, of gravitas and menace and just to, to a protagonist or a antagonist that we haven't had since, like, Far Cry 3. And I, I think 
I think for me, I won't play it, but I'll definitely watch a playthrough or I'll watch someone stream it because I want to see how that story plays out. I want to see how that uprising takes root. And like I said, I thought one of the trailers talked about how John Carlos Esposito's dictator was using child soldiers in some way. I, I could be wrong. I, I didn't have a chance to really look into it when you brought it up because I've been so busy. But if that's kind of an angle, I'm really curious to see how it's handled because the last yeah. couple Far Cries was uh, was more about oppressing adults. But now you start using child soldiers, that 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 becomes a sensitive yeah. issue. Like they're starting to push that boat out just that wee bit. I'd be, I'm interested to see just how far out they're yes. willing to, yep. to go with it. Yeah, and th- and that's one of the angles I want to take a look at. And I hope they do it justice because the fire crime mechanics are always solid. The storyline is always solid, if not convoluted. The world design is always interesting to me. And again, we gotta go back to how is it gonna be monetized? Is there going to be 50 different special editions? Is the content going to be chopped up? So I definitely want to yeah. see that side of it as well as how is it monetized. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it, though. Uh, yeah. The last one you got on here is uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthbound. Now, I know a little bit um, about that. Why Tim pointed out to me, my autocorrect messed that up. It's actually Earthblood. Earthblood, yes, yes, yes. I didn't yeah. even catch it. My bad. Uh, well, this one, again, it was... One, I don't know much about it. I've kind of read up on it just to get some information and stuff like that. It was it was more the look of the game that draw, drew me to it. Again, not being the gamer. But basically, um, from what I've seen of it, you're basically a character that kind of exiled themselves from the, the kind of werewolf pack that they're in. And then the story picks up of, the former pack is now in danger and it's up to you to kind of help them and it's the whole storyline of coming out of exile and trying to help your pack and the bits that are interesting me is how they're going to do it and is it going to be one of those ones that you turn back up at your pack and they're like yes come and help us or is it going to be one of those that is a bit more in-depth topic of or there's members of the pack don't want you there and you have to win them over or they're just not going to let you be involved and it's you in the outskirts just trying to chip away and stuff like that. So it's it's a complete unknown for me in that sense. But I'd like to see a bit... I mean, it came out, at the I think, a week ago. Yeah, about a week, week and a half. Ago. Yeah, yeah, so. so I've not had a chance to kind of see gameplay and stuff like that as of yet, but it was just one of the games that just... It, it, it drew my attention and it's I'm definitely going to look a wee bit more into it and see some gameplay and perhaps purchase it myself to give it that once over yeah no uh I actually I actually came at it from a different angle because um werewolf the apocalypse is actually a tabletop RPG that I am extremely familiar with so in in werewolf the apocalypse you play a eponymous werewolf from one of many different tribes and the goal of for the general goal of werewolf is to protect the, d- the dwindling nature from the ever increasing expansion of man and the pollution of nature and and a loss of of our wild side and as the werewolf characters you battle different forces like what they call the worm which was once uh, a benevolent entity but was twisted and warped and has now gone astray you have to balance what's called the weaver in the wild 
to kind of balance the, the nature. And not only do you have to balance this external nature of, of the world itself, but internally you have to balance your rage as a werewolf and your nature of a child of the wilderness and also a child of man. And within that you have a myriad of character types. You've got some werewolves that were born wolves who then turn into men. Then you got men who were born men that turn into wolves. So there's a lot of interesting moral and spiritual and ethical dilemmas that the tabletop RPG poses that I'm curious to see if the video game gets into and does justice. Now I haven't had a chance to look at any of the reviews and any of the gameplay myself, but it was one on my radar because of the fact that I have a tabletop connection to it. And I hope that it's tabletop roots are sort of represented as much as possible, still making an interesting video game. But yeah, it's, it's one mm. I definitely want to check out. Dread says it, it seems pretty rough. I mean, even if it's rough, if the story's interesting and, and the mechanics are, are interesting, I could give some of that a pass, but I'll, I'll definitely look into it. Now, do we want to dip into Culture Shock a little bit? Because we didn't touch that last week either. Uh, I mean, I'm open to it. All right, brother. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Culture Shock is something that you brought up and I agree with, so... The whole part of the culture is me being from Scotland, UK, you being from America. The the idea behind it was the fact that although we're like both speak English, we both have similar stuff like that, there's still so much little things like uh, we touched on it in the stream yesterday um, with, with you and Tim on the whole aluminium thing. Whereas you just miss out random letters. Like, they're there in the words. You spell it that way. You don't want to say it. I claimed it is because the I in aluminium stands for intelligence and you just don't want to admit you've got any. <laughs> um, so that, that that's kind of thing. But um, the idea behind the, the, the topic was just kind of going with the likes of, you call them pants, but for us, pants are your underwear. We would call what you call pants trousers. Fair like, enough. you wear trousers or jeans. That's why it was always confusing when somebody was, oh, I just need to put on my pants when I answer the door. And it's like, but you're still turning up in your underwear. No, we're wearing trousers on. No, (laughs) no. See, you got it backwards. Pants are pants. Underwear is underwear. Trousers are something a grandparent or granddad's wore. Trousers. No, 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 no. We wear pants, bro. Again, it's just, it was an interesting fact. It's the same with you call cookies like the cookies, whereas for us, cookies are like chocolate chip cookies, but for the cookies, like other cookies that you would have, we call them biscuits. Like we have our custard creams and our our bourbons and our digestives. Those are biscuits. What you call biscuits, we call scones. Well, what we call biscuits is like, well, we, okay, biscuits are tricky because you got to talk about like, are you talking like, breakfast biscuits like biscuits and gravy are you talking like biscuits for eggs and bacon are you talking about biscuits on top of a of a pot pie or are you talking like like a dog biscuit or a dessert biscuit like a sweet biscuit like biscuit over here much like over there is multi-nuanced so it depends on again what classification do you want to talk biscuits because uh, but that's what makes it funny is the fact that <laughs> you have the one word for multiple things, right. whereas like we call cookies cookies, we call biscuit biscuits. The biscuits are the likes of your chocolate covered 
biscuit. No, that's like a cookie, bro. Your biscuits and stuff like that's that. That's a cookie. Um, what I'll do is I'll bring up a chocolate digestive. Dread said trousers are are with suits. I agree. I don't. I don't wear trousers. But they are called suit them. trousers. Okay, let's get detailed. But no, I, I don't. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I find it hilarious. But <laughs> just that the disconnect between trousers just seems very old world to me, and I don't use that. And and maybe that's just me. Yeah. Well, for us, a a, a biscuit is is like a chocolate covered wheat and oats and all that crushed in, and then you put a layer of chocolate on it, yeah. or like Kit Kats. They're biscuits. They're chocolate biscuits. No, they're a candy bar. No, no, no. They're a chocolate they, biscuit. No, they're, they're, they're a candy bar. They're a wafer like with chocolate. Snickers. No. Snickers, or that, which we call a chocolate bar. So your Snickers, your Mars bar, uh, your Skittles, those are, or actually Skittles are actually sweeties. But again, this is what I'm talking about. Biscuits that you say, your breakfast biscuits that you put on gravy, mm-hmm. we've, we would never have that. It's a scone that you put no, uh, clotted no. cream and jam on. And no. with your biscuits that you put on a pot pie, no, pot pie, you'd put a short crust pastry on top. No, you put a biscuit on that bitch. No, you'd put a pastry. Trust, a short all right. crust pastry. All right, do me a favor. Get an American-style biscuit, butter biscuit and pour some sausage gravy on that bitch and tell me it ain't heaven. Tell me it ain't heaven. But it's so dry. That's what the clotted cream and jam is for. Put the gravy on it. No, with the sausage. No, it's amazing. It's great. So there's a couple chat messages I want to hit up. Tim says, "So our dress pants lingerie." But dress pants is that no? What we would call like suit pants or suit trousers. Okay. And then, so like if you were wearing a suit, or if you were kind of wearing like like a suit tuxedo formal wear, it would be your suit trousers. Okay. If you were wearing jeans, jeans are just jeans, that's it. If I'm wearing like my jogging bottoms or my sweatpants, that's they're just trousers as well, or joggies. So trousers is the kind of generalized word of the long pantaloons that okay. you would put on your legs. But you have like your suit trousers, your jeans. What's well, a chicken biscuit? <laughs> Okay, a chicken biscuit. I don't even know what a chicken biscuit is. I was trying not to spit my beer because Chad's lighting it up. For lo- for those of you that are listening uh, via the audio podcast, the the chat we have streamed on. on what Twitch, the fuck is that monstrosity? It's a cracker flavored like chicken. That's a chicken oh, that's biscuit. That's came up on Google. Google is not gave me that option by the way. A chicken biscuit like, is a cracker. I'm a fried bit of chicken inside a scone with a pickle. That is what I'm seeing on... No, no. It's a long rectangular cracker flavored with chicken, like chicken. Okay. Or That's... maybe Dread does mean chicken in a biscuit. No, Chris has it. What What were you looking at? I've looked up chicken biscuit, and it's basically like a fried chicken fillet on a scone. Oh, yeah. All day. All day. That chicken biscuit is fire. Put bacon on that with some cheese. Oh, you're going to love yourself in the morning. Chicken biscuits. Which wrong would you just put it on a roll? Put on a bit of bread? Why would you have to bring a scone in? Because it's a biscuit, bro. It's buttery. It's flaky. It's delicious. Yeah, but a buttery, a buttery flaky. Use a bit of pastry. <laughs> no. You want a biscuit, bro. Because <laughs> I... I, that must be dry as hell. No, okay. Like, that must be like eating the Sahara Desert. No, it's, it's, it's not because it, the way you make a biscuit 
in in the sense of a chicken biscuit is it is a crumbly buttery salty doughy kind of almost like a almost like a soft bread but not a bread it's it's, it's creamy crumbly thing and then you slap a, a a fucking fried chicken in the middle oh dog trust me all right let me, let me put it to you this way when i make it across the pond when the vid is gone and i can travel i will make you the most fire chicken in a biscuit when i leave you're gonna be like they they, they got it right it's chicken in a biscuit yeah, well that's the deal but see when you're over here i'll make you a proper scone because your proper scones, you can have all different kind of fillings in it. Even the scone itself, you can put cranberries through it, you can put cherries through it, you can put blueberries through it. It's not for chicken. It's <laughs> not supposed to be anywhere near. Like, Google Scone UK and go to the images, and the, it's just an array of fucking beauty on my screen right now. Yeah, but a scone here is a dried up, like a, a more drier version of a donut to us. Oh, that's not what a scone is. You're thinking of like hot cross buns and shit like no, that. No, that's like, what I'm saying. Like a scone is basically a biscuit, but we put fruit and cream on it. Yeah, we put fruit and cream on and like our on scones too. But if it's kind of dry and a little crunchy, yeah, <laughs> you know that, that's what it is. And going with an apple turnover, we do have apple turnovers. Here. Apple turnovers and are fire. Otherwise known as an apple calzone. Yeah. Uh, I knew you. Were, I knew you were going there, tying all back. But, but yeah, for us, we use short crust or, or just a, a similar style of, or even a sweet pastry with drizzled on sugar on top. Okay, bro. I just googled authentic British scone. Right. Okay. I'm looking at this image. That's a goddamn biscuit. That's what I would put sausage scone. gravy on. No, it's a scone. You wouldn't Dude, it because there's sugar in it. No, uh, no, 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 no. We don't put sugar. No, no. I will slather that bitch in sausage gravy and slap some bacon and eggs and a fried chicken fritter in that boy and go to town on that. That's not a no, scone, we, that's a biscuit. We put sugar in it because when you bake it, it then caramel, caramelizes in the middle so you get kind of caramel, nice crisp in it. Yeah, but that's that's why we put butter in ours. Because oh, it's got a golden butter in it. No, but we put a lot of butter in that. I mean, you look up a recipe for a, a, a UK scone and there's a, a decent amount of flour, butter, milk, sugar. It's yeah. just how it is. Baking powder, salt, yeah. butter. Oh, yeah. No, no, no salt. That's sugar. a biscuit, bro. That's a biscuit. That's a scone. <laughs> All right. I see your point. I love culture shock. I love, I love the differences. <laughs> I can't wait to do what you were talking about doing uh, either off stream or last week. Uh, I would love to do culture shock where I either send you a recipe for something of ours, you send me a recipe yeah. of yours, and then we do we make it and then we taste it and then we talk about the differences or and and something like that because I I'm I'm down because I'm looking at these these biscuits and I want to slap some chicken in that bitch or pour some sausage gravy on that bad boy. But then I'd have to fly over to America and murder you. And we don't want that, so I mean, you're better just putting on cream and jam. I mean, you could try, Scotsman. I don't think it's going to end well for you, but we'll find out. We've got fucking haggis at OAM. Hey, don't don't start with haggis, okay? Haggis, haggis gets Maybe a better... Maybe that's a recipe I'll get you to make. Bring it on. 
I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, can, I'll, I'll get if you, you think if you think the Scots and sheep is bad enough, wait till you see what we do with our insights. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I'll send you some. <laughs> I'll make I'll make you make pickles, peas, feet, or chitlins. I can match you there. That, that, that sounds pretty good. It's it's not bad if you do it right. <laughs> but you just made me type tripe on the new discussion thing as I'm trying to get. God damn it! <laughs> All right, so um. We rambled on about that. I love Culture Shock. We're going to do more of those. Just before we move on, what do you mean Irish pubs in America don't know how to make shepherd's pie? Uh, they make cottage pie. They make cottage pie. So, oh, so they make it with mints? Yes. Like beef? A lot of times they do not use lamb. They use beef. And they call it shepherd's pie? Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll need to put that down because I'll need to phone every Irish pub in America. (laughs) Phone in and sit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because but, uh, that is that is completely against copyright and false advertisement. It's in the title, <laughs> Shepherd's Pie. Which shepherds do you know fucking herd cattle? Those are ranchers, not shepherds. Yeah, and they put cheese on it, too. Let it out. We can go the long, let it out, let it out. Fucking cheese. Own a cottage or even even a cottage pie. Like that's not how you fucking gravy, mince, peas and carrots. What about potty the... on top? That's a cottage pie. <laughs> Use lamb if you want, I'll shepherd's pie. That's it. You, you don't add anything fucking else. <laughs> if you add anything else, you deserve to wear the fucking pie. I'm not <laughs> having that. I know, I agree. When I go to a restaurant and I see shepherd's pie, I'm like, that's cottage pie. And and you know what's hilarious? If you ask if you ask if you ask the waiters or you ask the chef, that's how they were taught. And a lot of the Irish pubs over here say authentic. And I'm like, You you need to change your menu. And they're like, Well, no, that's shepherd's pie. I'm like, No, no, it's not. That's cottage pie with cheese. And they're like, Authentic Whoa. Irish food. What part of fucking Ireland did they fake out of? Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, I, I cannot tell you the time. Like, we have an Irish pub here in town, and it's phenomenal. But that's not Shepherd's Pie they're serving. And I think they did eventually change the name to Cottage Pie. Don't quote me. I'll have to check afterwards and let you know. But, uh, but yeah, like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's ridiculous. such a simple thing cottage to shepherds like it's not as if like you're saying don't like irish people eat cottage pie as well we all eat beef and lamb it's just it's how it is but don't pass it off as such. that's like me turning really good like i have made this chicken pot pie but i'm gonna call it chicken lasagna like <laughs> no <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong <laughs> all right <laughs> Oh, God, I'm dying over here, man. I'm dying over here. But we have reached that point in the stream where we are going to talk about the happy ending. You want a happy ending? $50. Okay. Okay. Oh, I love that audio transition. It's my favorite. <laughs> the only awkward thing that I've got is I have your stream up but mm-hmm. muted. So I, I hear none of this. I just sit there and hope that you're going to turn around and say, right, we're back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I try to make a comment because I know you get the stream muted. So for those of you that are new to the podcast or those of you that are listening live, we th- we like to end our podcast on what we call the happy ending. 
Heavy ending is basically where we talk about a couple brief, good, good feeling stories from around the world, whatever we collect. Just kind of spread a lot of good news and, and kind of leave you on a high note. Yeah, we just we get into a little bit of a debate about it because but in the end, it's a feel good story and end the podcast because there's so many negative stories, negative headlines out there that we feel that it's important to end on something that that spreads a little bit of cheer, maybe mm-hmm. uh, brings a little light into the world. So, Chris, if you want to lead off the happy ending. I, I like where well, yours was, and I want to Any touch happy on. story is important, right, like, especially in the world that we're in the now. I agree, but I, I think yours has a little bit more... For me personally, it's a little more profound, and, and I, I, I kind of want to touch on yours first. Yeah. Well, my story comes from China and Shenzhen, to be exact. It's a, an older story. I, I only heard about it in the last few days, but I think it was... Uh, 2019 it started and I think it was September 20 when it kind of did come out basically what it was is there was this chap in China that I think when he was 18 he developed yeah basically what had happened is his body folded in and itself uh, through this uh, disease in which he's chin was touching his chest bone his chest bone was touching his pelvis and his forehead was touching his thigh bone it basically just had folded in itself and his mother had cared for him through this whole thing for 28 years as it it came from it and through all those years they went to doctors and and specialists and stuff like that to try and get help and no one would operate on him or even look into it until the Shenzhen University General Hospital looked more into it and they kind of went, look, we can see if we can do something. Basically, the way the story kind of went is that they had to break and reconstruct his thigh bone. Then the next operation, they'd done his pelvis. The next operation, they'd done his, his neck, where they had to break the neck muscles to be able to lift his head up. Then he'd done his spine to be able to lie back. And the whole story is, is after 28 years of being folded, where his uh, mum had to like put a, a cup of water in front of him, to allow him to brush his teeth, had to force a bowl in his stomach to be able to eat and stuff like that. And it was just after so long, he then was able to stand up right. He's using a zimmer and he's able to walk. Like it's it's not perfect. He's got a lot of rehab and stuff like that. But it was just such a eye-opening story to the kind of love that the mother had. She was like I me, mean, she was well into her seventies and stuff like that when like it happened and she was still because like in the interview that they have, she even says like what was she supposed to do? That was her son. Like, right. was she supposed to just leave him? And just when you watch the, the, the video and you see that after it's all happened and he's able to get out of the hospital and they're taking like a taxi or a, a, a trip back home, they're sitting talking about how the family couldn't believe he was standing upright and they couldn't wait to see him and how he's now working in the family run store. So he's able to work again and stuff like that. And it was just such a great story right through. I mean, I think the video is only about 15 minutes long. Yeah, I watched um, the video. But it was just such a beautiful story to see how medicinal advancement, how these things have advanced to be able to... 30 years ago, that your life would have been just, time it is over. Like, that's it. You just deal with that. 
whereas now they're able to do so much. I think the whole pandemic that's went on has kind of cast a brighter eye on medical personnel. And I think it is a, a kind of job that doesn't, as much as it does get its thank yous, it's really not talked about enough of the medical marvels and these people that put their light, like this, this doctor spent two months coming up with a plan to help this guy. And you're like, you could turn it and he goes, I don't think I've spent two months on any project that I've came up with, let alone something that would affect somebody else's life. And I, I just wanted to kind of shed a light on these people that make their lives, making other lives better. Yeah. Um, it The video was, yeah, it was about 15 minutes. And it is a, it is a, it is an aspiring story and an inspiring story on a lot of levels because not only does it touch on the dedication of this of this elderly mother to care for her son who is experiencing a, a, a crippling disease of epic proportions angelosing spondylitis is a very extreme form of arthritis and it it its hallmarks is a stiffening and, and locking of the psoriatic joints to the point where your body basically fuses itself like the, the bones and the joints fuse and in the video like you said the guy the guy's head was touching his thighs he was basically folded in half for essentially 30 years and then to have a doctor come up with a radical radical yeah. treatment like this was never done from what i could see from the story like this was never done yeah. they broke everything they broke everything yeah. and reset it and let it heal. The agony of that man having to go like oh, when I was a kid, I had surgery a lot. I had I had two open heart surgeries. I've had eight reconstructive surgeries on my hands and feet. I know what having broken bones feels like surgically. It is not fun. But to know that you're suffering through that pain so that you can get your agency back, be yourself again, probably pale in comparison to yeah. what the agony he felt when he was folded in half yeah and it is a great story because nowadays what doctor spends two months who has the time to spend two months developing a treatment plan who has the who has two months to dedicate to that patient to think about how this is going to better his life and then who has the insurance that's those surgeries his medical bills over here Probably in the millions of dollars, easy, 100%, because of the rehab, the surgery cost themselves, but just the dedication it took from the caregivers involved, like you said, they definitely needed to be highlighted because this poor man couldn't do anything for himself, literally. Like, his, without his mother, he's dead. Yeah. And without this doctor, his agony continues. And I saw that video, and I, 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 I thought about myself. I, I had two major surgeries. I, I'm not even supposed to be here right now. Let's call a spade a spade. My heart is so fucked up that I'm not supposed to be alive. But due to the intelligence and the advancement and the care of cardi cardiothoracic surgeons, they were able to repair my heart in a way, duct tape and bailing wire, to where I'm still here. That's one half. The other half is my mom, who I 
get along with for only a certain extent, and then we go our separate ways. She had the guts to love me, but also push me enough to to grow past my my troubles. Plus, I've also had my feet broken four times and bones reset, so it hit me in a way that I don't think it would hit like your average person because I I can empathize with the man of going through that pain and that struggle of surgery and recovery and and wanting your life better and I can I can I can relate because I've seen my own mother make sacrifices to make sure I lived yeah to make sure my quality of life was as good as it is and I have I have major trials coming up I need a third open heart surgery or I'm dead I'm I'm going to have to have hip surgery to repair a, a hip that's being eaten away so to highlight caregivers who sacrifice and medical doctors who go above and beyond to prioritize somebody's quality of life it's just it's it's rarer now than it should be and it doesn't yeah. nearly get the shine that it should and so agreed agreed and I, I I just think it's amazing, man. I think everybody should watch that video. I think everybody should should take a moment to look at themselves and think about where they would have been if their mom or their dad, if they had a good mom and dad, obviously, if if they had a decent yeah. somebody decent. I'll say more about think about the caregivers and the yep. guardians yeah, yeah, that yeah. put you to where you are yep. or anything like that. The ones that took the time to pick you up when you'd fell, no. put a plaster on your leg when you'd fell down and stuff like that. I think it is, it's just, there's just so much negativity in this world that it, it's about time people start taking a couple of minutes just to think of the, the good things that came along that doesn't get the light that should. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I think it was a great story. And, and like you said, it, it was one that, needed needed to be you know kind of broadcast out there because angelosing spondylitis is just brutal but yet the the plight of the caregivers the ones that made the sacrifices to help that man they they suffered in their own way and for having to come out such a such a potentially happy ending it is so aspiring and so inspiring yeah. that I, I it's a great story man good good call on that all right my happy ending is similar but in a different vein now me personally i love animals i'm a huge animal guy i wanted to be a zoologist i wanted to be a zookeeper i wanted to be out in the wild doing conservation but my hand i dealt not that one but one of the things near and dear to my heart is uh animal conservation and i posted an article about zero rhinos poached in 2020 now everybody knows the plight of the rhino if you don't Google it. Rhinos are a very endangered animal. They're traded uh, worldwide on the black market for their horn, their hooves, body parts. Um, certain uh, Eastern medicine believe that if you ingest certain parts of a rhino, you can get vigor and vitality, and um, yeah, all uh, just they're parted out basically. They're a commodity, much like elephants are. And when I read the article that stated that zero rhinos had been poached this year in Kenya specifically, because it centers on the, the Kenyan reserves, mm -hmm. it's been the first time, the first time since I believe the article said 1990 or 1998, 1999, 19, yeah, somewhere around there. That's amazing for oh, the yeah. first, for the first year, no rhinos have been poached. Now, mm -hmm. part of that, the article goes on to explain that COVID 
or the vid or virus, whatever you want to call it, kind of yeah. with the lockdown measures and whatnot played a role in that. But the article also highlighted that better conservation and better policing practices played a major role as well. And that speaks to all the good work that's being done. Now, you can have your druthers about wildlife reserves and zoos. They do a lot of good. They, without wildlife preserves and, and some really high-end zoos, I'm not talking like the shitty, like, you know what I mean? I'm talking about the, the real good conservation centers. We wouldn't yeah. have rhinos. We wouldn't have these animals to marvel at. We wouldn't have these things in our world. And the article also mentioned that due to the lack of a rhino poaching, elephants have gotten a major reprieve as well so that their their population numbers are, are on a... They're seeing trends on the come up due to yeah. the fact that these policing measures and, and the better education and the fact that the COVID lockdowns have given these animals a, at least the sliver, at least the sliver, of a fighting chance. And I think anytime you hear a story about an endangered species, because the human race has, has basically made extinct 90% of the wildlife on our planet. And the fact that there's a story about a few of those having a year where they didn't have to worry about being killed for parts or to be made yeah. into luxury goods. Yeah. That, that made me, that made me smile, man, because it shows that if there's a dedicated population and an understanding of these creatures are, are I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say something here that people might not agree with. Animals are just as important as we are without them. We're fucked. Oh, the ecosystem animals are more important than humans. Humans are the only species that genuinely actually don't give anything to the eco. Like yep. the world can live without humans. 100%. But it cannot live without animals. Oh, yeah. Right. Tim just shared another cool story about an elephant stepping on a landmine and getting a prosthetic leg. I didn't see that, but I definitely want to read it later. Um. Anyway, but, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, well, I was just going to touch on a few facts from your topic on the kind of like the, the Kenyan Wildlife Service. First time in 21 years that they've finally a zero poaching of rhinos. What they do say is between them and the elephants, poaching of the two species hit peak in 2012-2013. So I since 2013, elephant deaths have plummeted by 97%, in yeah. which nationwide 11 elephants were killed in 2020. It's the lowest ever in the KWS history. 80% of all African rhinos are in South Africa, and they've also announced that there's been a 33% drop in the number of rhinos poached in the world-famous Kruger National Park. 2020 was the sixth year in a row in which rhino poaching incidents fell there. They've, they've plummeted by 60% since 2017. So it's not just a Kenyan thing. Like right. across the, the board, yeah. elephants and rhinos in Africa basically are being less and less. And it is, you can turn around and say that COVID plays a part in the travel bans and stuff yep. like that in 2020. But to be able to turn around and say that in the last six years, numbers have fell. It shows that there is things in place that are doing what you want it to do. COVID helped, but mm -hmm. you look at other aspects in that, like when Europe went into the first lockdown, Italy was the first country that done it. They went into a full scale. The north of Italy were not allowed to leave their house. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in decades, pink dolphins were yes. found in the Canal de Venice. I saw and that. It was, it was an evidence to show that Mother Nature can heal itself 
if human beings fuck off yeah it's the the biggest evidence to prove that human beings are the sole perpetrator in destroying the globe until people start to think about that it's going to continue like i know there's people that have put in place like so like renewable energy and this and that but if you ever needed a bigger result of evidence to show that human beings are bastards take the covid pandemic Right. Because animals will fucking like they'll take over. Like yeah, it's like it's that whole thing. The, the people seem to forget that technically humans are in the cycle, the kind of food chain. Mm-hmm. What pisses humans off if we're not at the top? Because people always say, like, "Oh, um, you can kill lions, and you can kill things." Like that. You go into the lions without the gun. Yeah, right. Make it a fair fight. See who comes out on top. The only reason animals are, are, are less on their scales is because you're walking in with fucking grenades and bazookas and landmines and shit like that. You go in in a fair fight with a lion, or even a fucking, a fucking seagull to fucking take your eyes out. It's, it's sad, and it's, it's probably another statement that might annoy people. Humans are the most useless species on the planet. <laughs> You know, like we're useless in the grand scheme. I we can make CDs, we can make music, we can draw a good picture, but in the nature and the ecosystem, we're pointless. We're not needed. Yep. Like there's plenty of other things in front of us. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like I, I totally agree. Like when when the when the dolphins return to the canals in Venice, it, it's it's a sign that we're doing something wrong. And as you yeah. were, as you were talking about humans and how we need to change, there is a there is a um, ecological philosophy that I just found out about, and I'm I'm gonna misquote it. It's like the one the one environment philosophy or whatever, or the or the one heart philosophy. Basically, it states that for the betterment of the world, humans need to start considering their impact, not just from a human perspective but also from an animal perspective and an industry perspective. And if not, if those don't overlap for the benefit of our, of our environment and our ecosystem and our overall planet health, we need to make changes so that it does. Because if we continue on the path that we're doing, we aren't going to be here. Yeah. And the other thing. touching on the fact that I'm all for, be becoming an interplanetary species. What SpaceX and NASA and Elon Musk and all that kind of stuff are doing, I am firmly behind that. Hell yeah. But we cannot use that as a fuck up Earth and then go to another planet to fuck that up too. We need to remember that this is number one. Yep. We need to fix here. Now, scientists have said 20 years ago, we bypassed the point of no return. Yeah. We fucked up too much. But that's not to say, like, if that's if that's true that we fucked up, we're not going back. What is the point in doing anything if man is going to come to an end? Why are we still doing shit? Why yeah. are we furthering progress of technology? Not because it's going to mean fuck up. If there's nobody here, if there's no human species here, when what's the fucking point in even trying? Let's just go out, get absolutely arse faced, and enjoy ourselves. Yeah, but. That doesn't have to be the outcome, is no, we can sort it. It's just, it's more about listening to the people that know what they're talking about. 
rather than the people that the only reason they're saying something is on their narrative. When you're looking up uh, sources and stuff like that, see who has funded the source. Yes, sir. See, because the big oil conglomerate can easily turn around to scientists and say, prove this is right. And it says, consume all the oil you want. It keeps on going. Obviously, yeah. that's what it's going to say. Find out who's sourced it because see if it's a topic that will benefit that company. It is biased beyond repair. Do not read it. Yeah, and and you and you you touched on a good point, and I think we'll 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 wrap it up here real quick. The science, the science of conservation has been attacked on all sides. It says, "Oh, yeah. if you, why why are we why are we taking huge swaths of land away? Why 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 are we caging these animals? Blah 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 blah. Why why are we doing this? This article right here states, with good conservation techniques, quality policing, these animals that were on the brink of destruction." Are on they're on a, they're on a reprieve, yeah. Like that's a huge marker that the science of conservation and the fact that taking care of an environment and our ecosystem and the animals, um, and even the bugs are all important factors in a healthy ecosystem. And far too long, humans have removed themselves from that ecosystem. And I think with an article like this that says, yeah, when humans don't fuck around. And yeah. animals are left to do animal shit. Animals will make a comeback, but we gotta have yeah. the knowledge and the wherewithal to make sure that they got the space, and they're protected from the assholes who want to do them harm. Because in the end, it's gonna fuck us even faster than we're, you know, fucking ourselves. Hundred percent, I agree. I don't know, man. But hey, I wanna, uh, I wanna kind of bring it to a close. And at the end of the close, we'll say who we are, where you can find us, what we do. I wanna thank you guys that are hanging out in the stream, chatting with us. I wanna. I want to thank you guys who have shared your opinions and all the support you've given us since we launched this show. I want to thank all the audio listeners who have looked into the podcast. We appreciate your support. If you want to be a part of the conversation, feel free to join us when the podcast airs live on either my Twitch or Chris's Twitch. Uh, you can also download the podcast on all podcasting platforms. And if you do us a favor, please rate and review and share it so that we can grow the podcast with your support. Thank you very much.